It's Tuesday, May 12th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Is America ready for live music again? We might have our first test this week. Despite not being in compliance with the state's stay-at-home orders and rules for public spaces, country rock singer Travis McCready is scheduled to take the stage Friday night at Temple Live in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Concertgoers must wear masks, will be temperature checked, and must social distance inside. Graham Boley, investigative reporter for The New York Times, joins us for more. Next, GOP lawmakers are ramping up their attacks on state lockdowns and arguing for a quicker reopening of the country. Frustrations are growing with lawmakers who are trying to balance public health and letting the economy get worse. But some are even joining protests saying that stay-at-home orders are an overreach. Melanie Zanona, congressional reporter at Politico, joins us for the fight against lockdowns. Finally, the first wave of coronavirus litigation has been filed. Hundreds of lawsuits are starting to come out in state and federal courts. Airlines, cruise lines, fitness chains, and the entertainment industry are all facing lawsuits, as well as actions by states and senior living facilities. Shayna Jacobs, reporter at The Washington Post, joins us for what these virus lawsuits are all about. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. All sorts of rules and regulations, kind of a much reduced crowd, masks to be worn, people to sit apart from each other in like little pods around the theater. And he hopes this will be the first concert that happens since coronavirus. Joining us now is Graham Boley, investigative reporter at The New York Times. Thanks for joining us, Graham. Hi, Oscar. Good to be here. The country is in this mode of getting ready to reopen slowly. States are starting to ease restrictions on social distancing and allowing some businesses to open. One of the big things that a lot of people I know are waiting for is when we can see live music again. It's a big part of people's lives and it's just a great escape from a lot of what's going on. But you have to practice a lot of the social distancing in these enclosed areas. There's going to be a lot of rules around it, but we might get our first look at it this coming Friday. There's a country rock singer. His name is Travis McCready, who's scheduled to play at a venue in Fort Smith, Arkansas called Temple Live. But there's a little confusion as to whether it will happen or or how it's all going to play out. Graham, tell us a little bit about this. The music industry, as we know, came to a grinding halt mid-March, and lots of fans have been very disappointed and frustrated. The whole industry has stopped, and we've been writing stories about unhappy ticket holders having their concerts postponed or cancelled and getting their money back or not getting their money back, and the great frustration from the companies as well. There's a lot of money at stake and a lot of jobs. But we may have suddenly this first indication on uh, Friday of that things are ready to start again. And a promoter in Fort Smith, as you said, has got an act ready, has gone through a lot of preparations to make sure things are safe in his mind. Got lots of social distancing inside this small venue, a theater in Fort Smith. All sorts of rules and regulations, kind of a much reduced crowd, masks to be worn, people to sit apart from each other in like little pods around the theater. And he hopes this will be the first concert that happens since coronavirus struck. And the artist is very excited and they hope it will be the start of kind of acceleration of the industry again. How is this playing out with regards to stay at home orders? I know the governor there, Asa Hutchinson, has said that they are not in compliance with the order. It just seems like they can shut it down if they want, basically. How is it looking like it could play out? Well, it's challenging what the state is saying. 
it's really pushing up against it. So you're right, the governor came out and said that concerts could start again on May the 18th, but only for audiences of 50 or less. So that's in good news, May the 18th, 50 or less. This is on May the 15th, and it's for over 200 people. So it tests the rules in both those ways. And so the governor says this is not in compliance with our rules, and we're sticking to that. We're not budging. And the mayor of Fort Smith, a very generous gentleman I spoke to, you know, he was very excited about the prospect of live music starting again. But he said he will help held the state's rules. And at the moment, this concert does not meet those rules. So there are talks going on. Both sides that I spoke to seem to believe they're going to get their own way. But at the moment, I'm not sure whether this concert is going to go ahead. I was looking up at some pictures of Temple Live. It's a former Masonic temple. They have like a general admission type of area where people are just standing. And then the rest of it is seating. And you mentioned about how people were going to be stationed in these pods. Can you go a little bit into detail about that? My understanding is that groups of people, people who are comfortable being in closer quarters with each other will be able to sit with each other. And then those groups will kind of be separated as well. You look at the ticket map, you can see it. It's like these little areas spread out around the theater and each grouping is six feet away from the next grouping. So I could show up and I could buy a ticket for four people, me and three friends I'm comfortable with. So I can take those four people to this concert and sit there and be six feet away from the next pod. And they're offering these little groups of like two, four, six, eight, up to 12. And so you can go as a group of 12 and sit like in a group on your own. That's one of the many measures Temple Live have put in place. You know, you have to wear masks, masks will be for sale, which the promoter believes will be will kind of ensure people's safety. And then there's sort of towards the stage, there are some seats as well in sort of the kind of standing area at the front, but the seats sort of spread around. And then there's the artists themselves, and there's going to be four of them. You know, I spoke to them, Travis McCready, the singer, and then three other guys, and they're very excited. They won't be wearing masks. They will be social distancing on stage, although, they, as I said to me, you know, it's going to be quite hard once you start rocking out to keep that distance. But they were very happy to be part of this sort of, as they put it, like the beta test for this new world. This may give us an indication of how concerts will look the next right. few months. You know, if they start to go ahead, you're going to see strict distances and people apart and the way you can behave and you can move around the theater. This is a small place and it's going to be quite interesting to see if yeah. it works. The last question I just wanted to ask was the legality of all this. Obviously, it doesn't jive with what the governor's orders are. I think some of the people from Temple Live were trying to use an argument similar to how people congregate for churches and saying, hey, if a church can do right. it, why wouldn't we be able to do it? I don't know how well that legal argument would hold up, but that's something that they were trying to float around. On the day that the governor said that concerts could open with these strict rules, he also made an announcement about churches and religious gatherings, which can open effectively immediately. So no date restriction there and with no limit to the number of people. And the promoter has seen that and seen a sort of similar announcement made in the last few days on the casinos, which also have sort of more relaxed restrictions than the concerts would have. And so he says this is discrimination and thinks he's being discriminated against. So I did check that out with a few civil rights lawyers in Fort Smith and around, and they didn't think that would really fly very much because he would have to show that his arena on his own was being discriminated against, whereas this is a rule that applies to all people. So I don't know, he, he's arguing that, and he's, he said his lawyers are arguing that, but I'm not sure how much traction it's going to get. Graham Boley, investigative reporter at the New York Times, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Bye.
your point is right now you can go to a store and get alcohol or a pack of cigarettes or a lottery ticket, but you can't go to your place of worship. So they're saying these measures are going overboard. They want Attorney General William Barr to look into these measures to make sure they're not violating constitutional liberties. Joining us now is Melanie Zanona, congressional reporter at Politico. Thanks for joining us, Melanie. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, the country is on its way. We're starting to reopen, but it's kind of a major fight all over the place, especially on Capitol Hill. Republicans are very angry at the rate that this is happening. They want things to open now. Democrats are trying to be a little more cautious with it. They want to maybe extend some of these stay-at-home orders. It's kind of all over the place. It's very fluid right now, but the quarantine fatigue is pretty real. People are over it. People want to start getting out and about, but it's all about how to balance the public health with the needs of the economy. So Melanie, tell us a little bit about how this is all playing out. Well, frustrations are clearly boiling over in the GOP right now. Many Republicans on Capitol Hill felt like they were open to these restrictions initially. They felt like they were being patient, but now they feel like it's time to start opening things up again. They're seeing the impacts it's having on the economy and local businesses. So they're really starting to lash out. We've seen them attend rallies to reopen America. We've seen them harp on local officials, harp on Democratic leadership for not bringing Congress back into session right away. And they're really encouraging these protests that are taking place all around the country in an effort to sort of build pressure on their state and local governments to start reopening things. So tell us about some of the GOP members that have spoken up about this. You noted a few in your article, Representative Andy Harris. He's a Republican from Maryland. He's also a physician. You know, he was talking about how early models are saying there's going to be two million people dead at this and we're not getting those numbers. So based off of that, it's time to start reopening things. It hasn't bared out the way of how it was going to happen. So let's start opening things up. So what have some of the other members said about it? Some of the other conservative members have really seized on the idea that they're worried the stay-at-home orders are a violation of constitutional liberties and religious freedoms. Their point is, right now, you can go to a store and get alcohol or a pack of cigarettes or a lottery ticket, but you can't go to your place of worship. So they're saying these measures are going overboard. They want Attorney General William Barr to look into these measures. But then you have other members like Andy Harris, who is a doctor who has been saying that the initial projections were a lot higher than what we've seen bear out. But it's important to note that that two million figure he was citing was in reference to if we had no social distancing in place. But he has really been aggressive in calling for these lockdowns to end. He has also argued that there's also health risks if we stay at home because there's been an increase in suicide rates and mental health issues and routine health exams are getting pushed to the back burner. You're hearing all sorts of different arguments coming from Capitol Hill Republicans about why these measures should be lifted. Some are even saying, who knows if this will turn into some type of political movement, part of this overreach of government again. And as I said, you know, it's a balance of public health and all, but people do feel like their rights are being infringed upon on this. It's drawing a lot of comparisons to the Tea Party movement that we saw a decade ago. There's a lot of frustration, especially among conservatives and on the right. What they see is government overreach. Back then in the Tea Party movement, it was about big government spending. So in this case, it's obviously a little different. But you're seeing a lot of conservative activists really trying to seize on this grassroots energy and this momentum. And they're trying to mobilize the base ahead of the November election. 
polls still show that most Americans aren't really comfortable with reopening the states that much yet, at least with salons, gyms, movie theaters, things like that. They're still saying, you know, we could either take some time or just not yet. The polling that we've seen recently is that most of the public right now is still skeptical about reopening. So the Republicans pushing for these lockdowns to end are in the minority. And that's why you have seen some Republicans, especially those who might be up for re-election in the fall, take a more nuanced approach to this debate. They're saying we need to open up, but it needs to be done slowly and safely. And they're being much more careful about how they approach this issue. But certainly I would say the majority of the GOP is arguing that it's time. The Attorney General William Barr has also said that the Justice Department is monitoring the stay-at-home orders to ensure they don't violate any civil liberties. Just kind of my understanding, a lot of them are, you know, stay-at-home, obviously, but most states are still allowing their citizens to go out and take walks and things like that. So what would they be looking for to see of any civil liberties being violated? Some of the issues that have been raised by conservative is whether restrictions on allowing them to worship, for example, is a violation of their religious freedoms. Something else they've talked about is whether the law enforcement and police officers should be aggressively going after people and jailing them for violating some of these orders. So Republicans just want to make sure that everything is in line with the Constitution, and they're asking William Barr to make sure that that isn't happening. You did mention that the Senate had come back into session and the House was delaying some of that. Do we know when they're going to come back? They are waiting to finish their next relief package. So they want something to vote on before they haul all these lawmakers back. We're hearing it could be happening on Friday at the earliest. It could slip to next week. But again, Republicans are, some of them are calling to return no matter what. They want to come back into session because the Senate already is back here working and they said they don't want to be seen as sitting on the sidelines. But Democrats argue that if they're going to bring people back, they want to do it safely and they want to make sure there's a reason that they're calling people back and not just doing it for the sake of doing it. Melanie Zanona, congressional reporter at Politico. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. For instance, at least in the Diamond Princess lawsuit that I looked at, the husband and wife are essentially blaming the company for putting them in a position to contract it with the handling of the outbreak on the ship as it was docked in Japan. Joining us now is Shana Jacobs, reporter at The Washington Post. Thanks for joining us, Shana. Thank you. We're going to talk about something I had been curious about for a little bit of time. Where are all the lawsuits? I kind of expected a big wave of this to start happening very early on. And I guess now we're starting to see them, starting to see the first wave of virus-related litigation that's being filed in state and federal courts. They're challenging early decisions made by corporations, insurance companies, and governments, but it's all over the place. Ticketmaster is getting sued, airlines, everybody is right now. So Shana, tell us a little bit about what we know about these first waves. So the first wave, as we've seen, really hits just across the spectrum in society of people who have been affected or who are worried about their businesses and livelihoods as a result of the pandemic. And like you said, it's everything from customers who didn't receive refunds to members at gyms to business owners whose insurance companies did not come through with any sort of support that they were expecting from the policies that they held. So it's really just almost everything you can imagine. A number of them are also filed by lawyers for inmates who are still seeking release from prisons and jails across the country based on the increased level of danger that they feel they're experiencing while they're incarcerated. 
in your analysis of this, are many of the cases people that have said, I got coronavirus because I did this at your business or anything like that, or these are mostly related to other types of challenges? It includes everything, including people who, for instance, at least in the Diamond Princess lawsuit that I looked at, the husband and wife are essentially blaming the company for putting them in a position to contract it with the handling of the outbreak on the ship as it was docked in Japan. So, I mean, it includes claims like that, and it also includes a great many business disputes and contract disputes. Just off the top, though, New York has the most lawsuits filed. I think it was over 250 or something like that. One in particular was a nurse's union that was filing against the state and hospitals, and that one had to do a lot with personal protective equipment, which I know has been kind of in short supply throughout this entire outbreak. They filed a set of lawsuits, I believe two in state courts and one in federal court, which was thrown out essentially on just a lack of jurisdiction and the fact that they're a union within arbitration agreement. So the judge threw it out, not on its merits, but on the fact that he did not think he had the ability to step into that dispute. But There's the nurses union. There was a similar, not quite the same, but another lawsuit over PPE and lack of access to teleworking by state employees in Alaska. So we're definitely seeing claims brought by people who do not feel that they're being protected at their jobs. Senior living facilities is an interesting one. We've been hearing a lot about them. Obviously, they're caring for some of the most vulnerable and at risk people throughout this pandemic. We had also heard that there was upwards of 20,000 deaths in nursing homes and states have granted immunity to some nursing homes and things like that. But there's a bunch of lawsuits popping up related to that. I think families, as they're finding out more and more information, are starting to put things together and starting to feel that their loved ones were wronged in one way or the other. And that includes people whose relatives have died in those facilities and people whose relatives they feel are still at risk. You spoke to a person, I think her name was Jody Gill, that said that she also felt like she was pressured into signing a release that would put her dad into a study for hydroxychloroquine, one of the drugs that was touted early on in all this. And she didn't feel, obviously, that that was right either, that she didn't have to sign this release for that. People with loved ones in nursing homes kind of feel in the dark about what's going on within the facility because, of course, they're not able to visit any longer. And in her case, she was having trouble getting through to anyone at the facility to find out how her father was doing. But at some point, she was contacted basically to give her verbal consent for a trial, which she says she reluctantly agreed to because she did not feel better prepared to handle that. I wanted to bring in this story about Ticketmaster, they were getting sued for canceling concerts and not giving people refunds. They had a kind of interesting response. They said, well, we are giving so much money to contractors and whatnot. We don't have the money to give people refunds. What they've said publicly, as far as I understand it, is we don't have that money anymore. We can't give you a refund. And I think it varies depending on the contract or the vendor, but they definitely seem to be saying that the refunds that people are seeking have to come from the vendors either through Ticketmaster or directly because they just actually don't have the money to give out at this point. Shana Jacobs, reporter at the Washington Post. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. 
This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.